everyone. Welcome to another episode of The New Marketing Show, the podcast where we talk about how intelligent digital marketing and web development solve business problems. Today, we're going to do a little bit something different. We are going to rebroadcast one of our more popular episodes where Kevin and I sit down and we really discuss about how do you identify gaps in your content strategy and also why it's important to identify these gaps and address them. You know, this is a great episode. I think that there's a lot to learn there. And you know what? It's one of those things that every once in a while, we need to revisit it ourselves just to make sure that we're hitting our mark for our clients. So check it out. I hope you enjoy. The new marketing show is brought to you by Trinity Web Media. TrinityWebMedia.com. Trinity Web Media solves business problems with intelligent web development and digital marketing. Thanks for checking out another episode of The New Marketing Show, a marketing podcast where we talk about how effective digital marketing and web development solve business problems. Join as always with Trinity Web Media co-founder, co-host of the show, Kevin Everly. Kevin, how are you today? Greg, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Welcome to episode 67. 67 shows in, plus all of our bonuses. So keeping this uh, content machine rolling, aren't we? We are. You got to feed the monster. Yeah, we got to keep it going. And, you know, that leads me right into the topic that we can talk about is let's talk today about identifying gaps in your content, measuring content, and what to do with with what you figure out, you know, as it comes, as it pertains to content marketing. How do you think about that? I, th- I think it's super relevant and something that, you know, really great companies do well. And, uh, you know, in order to become a great company, you have, it's got to be on your radar. So, yeah, you know, content Marketing is something that I've always done a lot of. It's something that I've always been passionate about. It's something that I've always I've spoken a lot of work camps about. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the content is the lifeblood of your brand because what it does is it really starts to show off who you are, how you help, what problems you solve, and what you stand for. So, I mean, that's like one of the very very beginning pillars. You know, if if you know if you think of it that way, when it comes to content marketing, what are some of your best content marketing examples or some of your best reasons to produce a lot of content for a brand? Sure. Uh, I think in this day and age, content is really what, you know, your audience wants from you, whether it be video podcasts, uh, you know, the written word, I think that that's really how your audience and your fans are going to connect with your brand. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you, you know, in my mind, content marketing, you know, half of it is content. The other half is the broadcast. And then there's a whole nother percent percentage of that where it's like you have to give people what they want, where they want it in a manner, you know, that's logical. Sure. Sure. So before we jump in, what do you consider a content gap? So content gaps are typically, you know, a lot of questions that the market has when well, when they're talking to you, when they're asking what you do, what you do, you know, content gaps to me are things that are left unsaid, left undefined, maybe left untaught, maybe lessons that you can better teach people. You know, the biggest, you know, I was told early on working with a lot of marketers, the biggest content gap when it comes to your websites and your content marketing is if you feel like you have to have the FAQ page mm-hmm. on your website, you're not addressing some certain things with content. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we've had this conversation before, and I think, you know, from my perspective, the only successful FAQ pages are the ones that answer 
very quickly and then go to a full article on that topic or, you know, provide further, you know, FAQ shouldn't just be a one sentence response. I, I totally agree. You know, FAQ pages definitely, if you have to have one, you have a gap in your content for mm-hmm. sure. And anytime you create an FAQ page that stands alone, that doesn't point out to other articles, you're missing huge opportunities. Sure. Sure. So, you know, as far as that gap, what does that do to a brand? You know, you're, you're losing search obviously, but what else? You know, I think that it, it, you know, clearly what you're doing is you're creating confusion in your market. You're creating confusion with your clients. You're creating confusion. You know, your brand is being confused. You know, I think that you're not positioning yourself in a manner that where you can, where you're, you're where you get the best light. You know, I think that if you leave a lot of things unanswered and you leave people with more questions than answers and more challenges than anything else, like how effective is that site? How effective, you know, are you being, you know, with your digital presence? I I agree. I think, you know, anytime a, a visitor goes to your site and doesn't say, this is exactly what this company does, this is how they do it. This is how they stand. You know, this is what they stand for and believe in. I feel like, you know, you're creating objections to working with you by not serving your audience that content. Yeah, true. And I think a lot of people go around, they dance around the objections that they already know. Mm -hmm. You know, like one of the things that we want to do whenever we're in a client meeting or whenever we're doing anything and when it comes, you know, client side is we want to address any objections before they're raised by the client. Mm -hmm. If you can address them and head them off, I think that that's huge and that's that's a, a winning point when it comes to you know be, producing the most effective content out there for your market and for your product service and brand but also just how to be being helpful. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to qualify yourself by overcoming objections before they're even raised, that's a huge win. I mean, you're just demonstrating your own expertise. Yeah, and, and a lot of it, a lot of it is, is when you when you address the objections before their objections and head them off. You know, you're telling people like, I understand this is something that we hear all the time. This is how we handle it. This should not be a concern mm-hmm. with working with us. Makes makes perfect sense. So, uh, from the analytics side, you know, I, um, do you feel like analytics play into identifying content gaps? Uh, absolutely. You know, you cannot fix, you know, 100%. You cannot identify and fix things that you don't measure. Mm-hmm. So that's why we want to measure everything with data points when it comes to content and visitors, page views, conversion. Mm-hmm. If if you're not measuring things, you're guessing. You don't know so, what to fix. Yeah, you don't know what to fix. You know, you don't know. You know, you're operating on dangerous, dangerous assumptions. You're operating on guesswork. You're, it might be voodoo. It might be, who knows, snake oil. You don't know what the hell is going on. You don't understand what's truly going on in your business. Now, I know that you and I take a lot of time to measure analytics for our clients. And, you know, we have a agency analytics suite that we use where we measure, you know, rank for, you know, different search terms that we're looking for. You know, as it relates to the content, we measure pages, which pages are most popular. 
You know, if you can start to do that and you can start to go ahead and use some other tools such as Google Trends, Mm -hmm. you're going to see what's trending within your community. You can see what's trending worldwide or even, you know, in a hyper geo kind of manner. You can go ahead and say, okay, I'm on point here. I'm on point here. I need to step up my game on this identified gap to make things even better. You know, it, it all goes back to, you know, I must have said it a million times in our podcasts all over or all 67 episodes plus the bonus ones, review or find repeat. Mm-hmm. You have to review what you're doing. You always, there's always room to re- refine it and then go out there, do more of what works. Stop doing what doesn't work mm-hmm. or what's not really working. How can you make that a little bit better? You know, and I love that you mentioned the uh, agency analytics suite that we use because I use, I use two pretty clear indicators to see what content we should be producing is the first one is what pages are getting found and not converting. Right. And the second is how much actual search volume is there for that term from that location? Well, I mean, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball of wax because if you, you know, you can go ahead and you can rank really well and you can produce all this content around tons of shit that doesn't matter. And how's that going to benefit your brand? How's that going to benefit anything? If you're doing lots of stuff that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you don't know that unless that's measured, sure. you know, like you just said. So it's important to understand. It, it's, it, to me, it's as important to understand what works as it is to get a clear picture of what's not working also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's super important. You know, I often see a lot of people putting efforts into, um, keywords and terms that are way oversaturated. Right. When, you know, 50% of the audience is calling it something else that nobody else is tackling. That's one of my things that always makes me crazy. You know, when you go ahead and you optimize your content and you create content, you know, a lot of times, unless it's super, super technical and super, super specific, I try to optimize it and create it for the most common denominator and the lowest common denominator of user Mm -hmm. and term and search phrase also, because what I want to do is I want to make sure that I'm not calling it something and the rest of the world is calling it something else. And all of a sudden I'm leaving all that on the table and I'm focusing my efforts in the wrong place. And conversely, if all of your competition is calling it what you're calling it, you're swimming in that red ocean. We're going to a layman's term or something, you know, very similar could leave you swimming in that blue ocean where there's not much competition and you can be the, you know, number one. And another blue ocean tactic is to do it in, in reverse is if somebody, if everybody is going after something very, very generic, now how can you kind of position that within a niche mm-hmm. that moves your, that helps your audience and go ahead and be found for that? You know, mm-hmm. th- as long as it fits in with who your ideal client is and what makes them who they are, I think that that's a win also. Yeah. Um, so obviously when, you know, typically, you know, a brand starts producing content. They go for the low hanging fruit. Right. At what point do you think that somebody needs to get away from that and start going, you know, towards, you know, the harder rankings, the, the long, you know, long tail key, the long tail keywords, you know, things of that nature. So I'm, I go just the opposite of what you said. Like I prefer to launch things with a long tail strategy in insight and kind of the long tail strategy in mind because that way i know i can always come back to -hmm. the shorter ones less you know more competitive ones so 
whenever whenever possible, I want to go ahead and start ranking as soon as possible for the long tail terms okay. because they're going to take more traction and more time for you to rank and then absolutely come back. And to me, the low-hanging fruit is the simpler terms. Okay. Makes perfect sense. What are what are some of the trends you're seeing with, you know, content and the way that people are, you know, writing for Google? So first off, if if you're going to if you're going to it, it, first off to answer your question, if you're going to write specifically for search engines, you've already lost the game. Search engine is it's a it's a machine. It's not anything that's human. It's not anything that's going to resonate with an audience or a brand, you know. If you focus all of your time writing for search engines, you're going to lose because there's no emotion. There's no connection person to person on the other end, which is going to make the strong brand connection for you. And I think the audiences now are savvy enough to be like, oh, this is garbage. They just just want to rank. They don't care. You you know, but are they? You know, a lot of, of, you know, I want to think that a lot of the audiences and a lot of internet users are. But I don't think that, you know, I think that it's still out there. Like a lot of people get fooled by, you know, ads versus organic, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's murky on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of people don't under, I think that if people, if the, uh, the lower common denominator of internet user and, and content visitor read something that's highly optimized and, and stuffed with keywords, I think that they would just think that that person is a terrible mm. writer and they're, they're not very good at their job when actually they're writing with specific intent, you know? So anytime you really write for search engines, it leaves you kind of, it leaves the audience very confused and it kind of, you know, and if you, like I just said, like if you read stuff like that, what happens is you're not giving putting your best foot forward when it comes to being a content creator and, or a writer, because what you, what you, what you are writing makes no sense to anybody. No reasonable human being would ever talk or write that way. Yeah. So what happens is it leaves everybody confused. So I would rather, you know, the way that I create content is I create content with one person in mind. You know, we have a bunch of different personas for Trinity web media our ideal client personas and how we help can help and who we can move the needle for and what drives them. Every time I create a piece of content, I try to create it for that person specifically in mind as if I'm having a conversation with Jim or with John or with Susan, you know, and I'm trying to speak to them in a manner that they understand and in a manner that's going to resonate with them because then I know that that's going to resonate with that persona and it's going to help, solve their problems and help the business move the needle on the goals that we're trying to achieve. That's yeah. Spot on. I try. I don't know. (laughs) So, um, anybody out there who's not producing content, what are, you know, two or three quick tips you can give them? Start now. Okay. So, you know, I say that in just one, my three tips for anybody not producing content right now for their brand is start now. Go ahead and don't worry about what anybody thinks about it. Ship it, publish it, make sure it gets out there and try to help somebody. That's awesome. I think the only thing I would add to that is, you know, if you're caught up on topics, start with the questions you're repeatedly asked by clients and prospects. Without a doubt, you know, most of our, you know, almost all of our content 
that we produce as a company and we produce for clients comes from relevant, you know, recent conversations that we have with people that we have with clients. You know, I just did Trinity Web Minute videos and a bonus podcast about uh, WordPress security because we were dealing with WordPress security issue with a client. Whenever things are top of mind and whenever people ask me about things, I put it down in a notebook. I put it down in my Evernote or my uh, notepad on my phone and I'm able to go back to those topics and and really, really start to create some good content around that. Also, I, I do a lot of speaking, you know, at different word camps or for different organizations. If anybody ever stands up and asks me a question uh, in a live audience, I know that 100 times, 100 more people are trying, are Googling that same answer. So that's a great opportunity for me to go ahead and create content. And if you're not answering those questions, for your audience on on a regular basis, you know, you're missing a lot, a lot of content opportunities to connect with your audience, solve a problem and be the subject matter expert. And conversely, you mentioned that, you know, the counterbalance to content's broadcasting, you're missing broadcasting opportunity for your audience to take part in the conversation. Yeah. And content should be conversational. You know, I'm really glad that you said that content should be conversational, meaning like it's not, you know, it's not a monologue. It's not a diatribe. It's not, it's nothing like that. What it is is a good piece of content should stir, start a conversation or start a dialogue between people. How many times do you read something good at your desk and you put it in our Slack channel and we say, Hey, check this out. I know this is really interesting. That's that piece of content did its job. We're going to remember where we got it and we're going to have a conversation and we're going to use that as a reference point. That brand or that person who wrote it is then going to become more of a subject matter expert to us than mm-hmm. anyone else, you know? So it's pretty interesting, you know, a good content should always lead to bigger conversations. And I mean, that's, to me, that's what makes it sticky. You know, it's hard to recall everything you see online, you know, but when you do have a conversation about something, chances are you're going to be able to, Oh, I X, Y, Z wrote an article. You should check it out. Yeah. The sticky factor, you know, we had a meeting with a friend of ours last Friday and Don was talking about, you know, you want everything that you do to be sticky. You know, you want your solutions, whether it's content, whether it's a platform, whether it's a product or a training, you want it to be sticky. And you want your brand to stick along with their messaging to make it as effective as possible, you know, whenever possible. Yeah. So I guess in wrapping up, give me, give me two of your tips for the content creator and basically, how can they identify gaps? How can they do their job better? Sure. Uh, so not everybody's comfortable at everything. So, you know, content takes many different forms and mediums, you know, podcasting, video, articles. If you're more comfortable on video and you're, you're going to produce content that way, go for it. Get it transcribed. It'll have the same effect as, you know, writing that full length article. It will be more conversational. Uh, if you want a podcast, again, transcription, you know, bring everybody into the mix. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think that everything starts with doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, momentum begets momentum. Don't be afraid. You know, I had a conversation. I was in Philadelphia the other day and I had a conversation with a friend. He said that he has so many different ideas and so many different pieces of content he wants to put out there. But he's so he's so self-conscious about the message and the broadcast tools that he just needs to get over it because the message mm-hmm. is bigger than, you know, his self-consciousness or whatever, and he'll get through it. Yeah. And he actually, you know, applauded us for 
how we've really stuck to all the Trinity web minutes and all the podcasts and all the content. So one of the things is like, go do, you know, I always, yeah. almost, almost every one of my keynote talks I do at work camp or wherever else, I always end it with go help somebody and go do nothing mm-hmm. happens. If you don't do anything, all you're going to be is one of those people criticizing everyone else who's getting shit done. Yep. And I mean, my second, my second uh, piece of advice would be commit to a consistency that you can live with. You know, I've seen people, oh, I wrote 15 articles last night. Okay. That's awesome. Are you going to be able to do that every month? Yeah. Probably yeah. not. Yep. So you might be better off writing four a month and publishing one a week and, you know, structuring it that way. Don't try to uh, bite off more, you can, more than you can chew and learn yep. to walk before you can run. Yeah, that, that's another key one because a lot of times, you know, we know a lot of the people get, you know, pod fade. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I spoke to Evo Terra recently about pod fade. He said that typically happens after about seven episodes, you know, or we, we see a lot of content fade too. And you know, there's many times that I've launched blogs for different professionals or different lifestylists, you know, some were uh, parenting blogs, you know, the mommy blogger type stuff. And they're hot and heavy. They're crazy about doing their content. And they stick with it for about three months. Mm-hmm. And whether that's 12 articles or that's 36 articles, you know, they fade out after that because they realize how much work it is. So the one, the last thing I want to leave people with, creating content is it's a huge commitment. It takes a lot of work. but And it's a long play too. But the thing is, is like the more you can do it, the more the better you can tell your own story, the better you can get in front of it and make things happen the more rewards and the more goals you'll be able to hit with this content. So Kev, this is a good conversation. Thanks for being a part of it. Thank you, man. And you know, we appreciate everybody listening. Hey, to get more of the new marketing show, you can subscribe rate review to us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. You can catch us at trinitywebmedia.com slash iTunes. Still a couple days away from a new site launch. So hopefully next week we're talking about our new site launch. And we appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing. So thank you, everybody. And until next time, Kev. Thank you, Greg. And everybody have a great day. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later.